Hello, and welcome to yet another episode and another week here with us, your hosts for Ship Talking Pod. I am Brandon, and I'm very excited to be joined again by Alex. Alex, how are you? I'm well. How are you? I am doing great. Hey, you had your first episode. You're back now for your second. How's it going? How are you feeling? I'm feeling pretty good. I'm, there was some great feedback on last week, so I'm really excited to be doing this week again. Yeah, you did absolutely phenomenal. Super, super happy that you're here in the co-host seat with also Robbie, who, uh, if all things go planned, he'll be back from his shore leave next week, so everyone can look forward to the return of Robbie there. But uh, Alex, did you get up to anything Trek this week? Uh, I made some Star Trek earrings. Oh. I made them in the shape of the Crossfield class. Ah, a little <laughs> disco on your ears. <laughs> Heck yeah. <laughs> very cool, very cool. Well, I actually got my first shipment of the Build the Enterprise D model that Hero Collector has done. So I've been working on that. I'm going to put up some photos, but really excited. It's over two feet long. So I'm I'm hoping with our chat with our special guest that's gonna be joining us today, I might get a few tips maybe from yeah, uh, from maybe one of the so. masters. Yeah. Well, speaking of that special guest, today we're joined by James Jacob, who makes incredibly detailed physical models of Trek ships. These are all canon-based ships, which is really cool. Of course, we've had um, Bill Kraus on, who's talked about models, and he's made his own designs. But we're gonna be diving in with James to find out the inner workings of what it takes to you know produce a model of a canon ship those ships that we've all seen on screen and come to love want to know about the process that goes into it maybe some of the detailing and the decals and just how it all comes to be and kind of that journey it takes so i think it should be interesting and hopefully i pick up like i said a few tips on you know this build journey that i'm going to be going through right well before we go and chat with james uh we'll review your answers to this week's community queue and ask you a brand new one then after our chat we'll review your submissions for this week's all hands on deck drill And finally, before we end the show, we'll announce the next guest. We've got a lot of fun trek ahead, so let's get going and warp into this week's Community Q segment. Alright, so for this week, our Community Q was, what's your favorite ship that's privately owned? So I was really looking forward to this one because it actually made me think. I had to go back and think about the franchise and, okay, what ships weren't part of the Federation or an alien race that we know of that were, you know, owned by a private party or maybe an individual organization. So I was wondering, okay, you know, I had to do some research and so I was hoping the community would as well. And they definitely came through with some interesting responses. Our number one response was for the most recent private ship that we've seen, which was in Picard as the hero ship the La Serena. What I really like about La Serena is it brought a totally new design to Trek that we've yeah. never seen before and it was really refreshing to see that on screen. I like that part of it as well. I really like the paint job. Yeah. Uh, it's very cool, <laughs> very unique in itself with the red and the white. And I don't know if many know this, but there is nose art as well of a mermaid. Oh. Of course, La Serena in Spanish is mermaid in English. So there's some really cool nose art there. If you haven't seen it, definitely look it up. But a really interesting ship. And, you know, since it is the hero ship, we're going to definitely be seeing more of it in season two. Looking forward to maybe more of its abilities or you know the characteristics i think one of my favorite features about it though is all those holograms oh yeah i definitely want to see more close-ups and flybys of it in season two if it's at all possible (laughs) absolutely in terms of other responses that we got the next most submitted was the bajoran lightship 
Now that's interesting. I had actually forgotten about the Bajoran lightship. Yeah. So I'm pleased to see that made the second result. Yeah, it was really interesting to see, of course, in Deep Space Nine with Cisco and Jake's story arc that took them on it. Uh, really interesting that it's built out of lumber, right? Right. And it's got these giant <laughs> sails that are gorgeous, but they are, you know, solar, and that's what powers it. So uh, definitely an interesting ship there. It was really cool to see that submitted. And then for other frequently submitted ships, we saw the Phoenix, of course, from First Contact, okay. the first warp-capable ship that Sutton Cochran made. That is definitely privately owned, right? It wasn't right. Starfleet or Federation. He was just making that in his bunker. And we also got a lot of responses for Neelix's ship, the Baxial. Yeah. I wish we could have seen more of Neelix's ship in Voyager. I, I only remember little glimpses of it here and there. Yeah, it was part of the ship, or was being stored on the ship, right? Because, you know, right. he got picked up, and I don't think they left it behind. So would have definitely been cool to see, you know, what happened with it. But, uh, yeah, very interesting. Interesting. Thanks, everyone, for participating. All right. So for our next community queue, we're asking you, which racist technology do you think would be the most dangerous if assimilated by the Borg? All right. I don't think this one needs much explanation. Definitely <laughs> start thinking about what you think would be most dangerous. And of course, send them our way. Remember, you can send us your answers via email, our website submission form, or via Twitter. Please do. And in the meantime, Alex, I think it's time you and I go down to 10 Ford and go meet James for a bit of ship talking. And you know what? Let's go pour ourselves a nice glass of Saurian brandy. That sounds wonderful. Let's go. <laughs> All right, let's go. When The Next Generation finished on TV, you know, it was on channel every night, we were sort of watching it and that sort of stuff. But I remember when it finished, I thought, oh, I'll build a model of that. So I bought myself a, an Enterprise D model, saved up my pocket money and everything, put it together. And, you know, looking back in it now, there's a hundred different ways I could have improved and that sort of stuff. But um, I'm proud to say I've still got it. Wow, <laughs> that's and great. And it's on my shelf, so I can't quite do the math, but it's 25 odd plus years old. And actually, I completely stripped it back and repainted it for its 20th anniversary, which is about six years ago, maybe now. So yeah. it's sort of, um, you know, it's quite old. It's coming up to 30 <laughs> years old, the old girl. That's amazing um, that you yeah. still have it, first of all. Um, and it must be something that you really treasure, not only because of how old it is, but it's the first Star Trek ship you've worked on. And it sounds like you've been back and actually worked on it more. But let's go all the way back to the process itself, because it's probably something I think our listeners don't know about is, you know, they see these amazing models done, but what's the actual process that you go through to actually build it? Is it, you know, kits that you're getting? Are you creating parts, you know, 3D printed and putting it together is it a combination would love to know more about that process itself the main thing i i build are basically they're, they're model kits so in okay. essence most of them are injection molded plastic kits we don't have many sort of independent model shops left in england but you know amazon ebay you know just search star trek models on ebay and you'll find tons and tons of them but they come you know most of the main hero ships and a few other ones and the idea is that they come in a range of different number of pieces mm. you know a small ship could be you know, mm. 10 12 20 pieces 
things, but some of them quite large, some of them smaller detailed bits. And then ultimately you have to buy sort of some slightly specialist equipment, but it's basically sort of paint, glue and tools in essence. Um, and then you use what's called plastic cement, which basically sort of you put the two pieces together and it's all, it comes good instruction manual and it's a piece of properly designed, they're engineered. Mm-hmm. So they fit together. You put two pieces, imagine of a saucer of the Enterprise D. That's basically, apart from a few detail pieces, two massive pieces of plastic. You put them together, there's a few male and female plugs that fit together just to get the alignment on and then you just go around the edge with this cement and just sort of drop on it you can get um, sort of more fine stuff which is closer to water and some which is a bit more viscous a bit like treacle or syrup for like big pieces oh. but you sort of just tip it in around the edges a little brush and you go around and it depends how accurate you want the piece to be you can either use clamps and leave it to dry overnight it, it sets in about an hour say you can hold it and you know it starts to bite and basically the way it works is it will then it melts the plastic slightly so that the two pieces sort of glue and you know bond together as opposed to super glue for instance as a glue doesn't melt either piece it just forms a solid bond that the two pieces connect to so it's a slightly mm-hmm. different process you, you learn a lot about glue making models <laughs> <laughs> that's really interesting and what's surprising is that they're only making you know certain ships right um, certain mm-hmm. models and class of ships that you can buy now from what I understand, what I've seen even from past models, it's then up to the model maker to then take it and, you know, for the decals and making sure that it's faithful to canon, there's some work that has to go into that and research. And I imagine that's an interesting process for you to figure out when you're looking to bring an actual ship to life. Very much so. It depends how far you want to go and you know, whether or not you want to be absolutely screen accurate or do you want it to be CGI accurate or do you want it to be as good as your friend's model um, you know, it depends. It's, it, it's how long's a piece of string, really. But um, one of the sort of the mythical things of building Star Trek kits is Aztec decals. You, you hear yeah. a lot of a lot about Aztecs. You know, how are your Aztecs? Can you do that? Can you do that? Um, and this is sort of where it gets a bit interesting. So there's a couple of ways you can do that. The Aztecs. So you can either do it yourself and paint it on yourself with good old masking tape that you can cut up. You can very easily find there's websites and Facebook groups coming out of your ears of what the actual pattern looks like for the Enterprise D, for instance. Um, in fact, the one I've got is sort of like the basic pattern. So there's some very complicated shapes, but if you, in essence, you say so you paint it a medium gray but there's aztec pattern down so you cover over the bits you want to keep that color with masking tape mm-hmm. it's a very slow process a very laborious process um <laughs> you can just do it by hand if you want or put the masking tape down and then you paint the whole thing again a different color so when you pull off the masking tape you've got two colors side by side nice clean line so you can do it that way um you can go a step further you can do that method and then put a third or even a fourth color on by doing exactly wow. the same thing but you put a little bit of masking tape smaller squares l shape T's you know t- 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 all over the place within that set grid um, and then paint another color so there's I think it's true to the studio model I think it's four colors it's supposed to be four very very subtly different colors you can only notice when you turn it and catch the light mm. I think there's um, a lot of kits I've done recently have lights in them which is great and it's yeah. good fun right. um, the original my enterprise d it, it is plastic but it's it's opaque you can't see through it um, and they made a clear plastic version of the kit so exactly the same basic mold just instead of gray plastic they use transparent plastic oh, and the wow. idea is that's how you light a kit so you paint it however you want and then you put lights inside it and then basically you know with a very small tool or a needle you sort of scratch off the windows scratch the paint off the windows and the light will shine through that's the principle behind it wow. um, it wasn't released for very long and everyone who likes making models bought three of them 
<laughs> two of them are sitting on their shelves around the world and they build one and keep it and and it's a bit of an investment because they are very very expensive you can they pop up every now and then um I mean, there's a couple of um, model makers that I'm uh, friendly with on Instagram, and a guy goes under the name of MK Models. Have a look at him. Yeah, he's done, I've seen that. Yeah, absolutely yeah, he's amazing. Done two or three within the last few months. I mean, it's it's crazy how fast Matt works, but it, you can see how the progress is exactly the same kit as mine. It's just made of a different color, different, slightly different plastic. The decals on the, the Aztecing are sort of subtly different, and then there are a few places who've made their own, sort of like sort of reproduce their own. You can download them and you. You can print them yourself and alter the uh, name i'm assuming and so then, that you yeah, can alter, customize exactly. it yeah there's a few um sort of sexual guys on i think it's on facebook actually but there's a few companies that have different ship names you know you can have a you know the, the galaxy class ship has more than just the name enterprise as you know, sure. the, you know the tv show so so it's exactly the same kit it's exactly the same d- decals it's just everywhere it says enterprise i've got one that says venture <laughs> right yeah yeah <laughs> right. we saw the venture and we saw the but it's only until you get to the end that it looks any different <laughs> right but, but, you know, if you wanted to have, I don't know how many there are, say there's six different Galaxy class ships, you can have them all. They're exactly the same. It's just a very subtle different names. Um, I don't always go for calling ships by the hero names. I have a mm-hmm. bit of an unsung hero thing going mm-hmm. on. So m- mine's the Lakota. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. <laughs> but it's exactly the same. And funny enough, that, that particular one has got um, the full Aztec decal set oh, as well. So that's quite good. So it's, it's basically, it's, it's no different than, you know, if you bought a model of a motorbike that has water slide decals, they're all, it's the same basic technology that is used to create them. You know, people can make their own decals. Um, I think on occasion, actually two or three times last year, my sister is a graphic designer and she does weird and wonderful things in Photoshop that I don't understand. I like, can you make that little, <laughs> can you change the name of that? <laughs> and then I printed them out myself because yeah, they, they do pop up some of these on eBay, but they're very cost prohibitive and the company that made them has gone out of business. Oh, that is sort of, you know, you have to come up with more cunning methods of, of getting hold of them really. Well, I'd love to hear more about the process of lighting your models because I've seen a couple that you've made on your Instagram and they're sure beautiful when they have the lights in them thank you i imagine that's not an easy process i imagine it's additional work it is yeah it is additional work because the first model i ever lit was one i made for my daughter about five years ago and it was Uh, awful you know you can buy all the components from ebay you know hobby shops that sort of stuff but i understood the basic principles but yeah when i it was nx01 which funny enough is in the same scale as that Enterprise aircraft carrier. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, so it's one to oh, 350 wow. scale. So they're supposed to be exactly the same scale. Wow. But yeah, so I received the commission. So I reckon I have lights. I was like, okay. Um, so, you know, trying to remember my my, my GCSE school electronics. It's got something to do with batteries. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, the electronics sort of side of things is hard to do. It's sort of, it is, you know, beyond sort of putting, buying a kit and gluing it and painting it. Right. or challenging because, um, you know, for one thing, if you don't have a clear kit, you have have to get allow for the windows to be open you've got to you know let the light out so that either means getting very very small drill bits and sort of oh. doing it by hand which right. i've been doing or you can buy you know rotary tools i'm i haven't quite sort of plucked up the courage to use a rotary tool to be honest because they make a lot of noise they shake and they're bound i'm bound to sort of drill a hole in the wrong place or my hand oh gosh <laughs> i don't blame you I don't blame you at all. I have more control if I do it myself, if it does take, you know, four hours, which is why I listen to your podcast when I do these things. But there's, yeah, so just put the electronics aside for the moment. Basically, all the wiring's got to be inside. You can't mm-hmm. let, you know, you can't see any wires. You have, I, I put mine on a 
a metal hole so there's a you know it's a tube stuffed up inside of the bottom of the hole and glued in place so it doesn't ever wobble anywhere um right. and the wires come down and ultimately go into the the mains um you can get circuit boards so i've sort of built up a um Good relationship becomes friends with a guy called Warren at Tiderium Model. So he's a UK-based seller who sort of builds a circuit board. So all, all the things that light and blink and flash, you have to drive <laughs> off a circuit board. Oh, um, interesting. So all the wires sort of go into there. Otherwise, if you just can wire it all up and they just all stay on. Right. Um, so there's a bit more to it. Again, that's getting more complicated. But the tricky bit is it changes the process of how you build the model because you know cutting the holes in the little light out is one thing, but while it's made out of opaque plastic, it's not completely opaque if you put a load of lights inside it right. so you can right. shine through the plastic so it sort of lights up and we're only talking you know it's like sort of you put your finger over a torch you can sort of see a, a glow it's imagine yeah. that um oh so, yeah yeah that's what i mean so it gets a bit more complicated so you know what we have to do first is you, you call it the light block so you paint the inside of the model with black paint basically mm. you can use it in you know a, a rattle can you know can you buy in a hobby shop or a DIY shop or an airbrush whatever you want so it just sort of stops the light coming out and then to give it much more reflectivity paint it either very gloss white or silver basically so oh, it makes right. the light bounce around and shine and you know makes it amplifies the amount of light you've got inside that nice. and then you've got to put all the pits together and this is how sort of things have got better over the years for the main lights it's called led tape you might have seen it in various shops but it's basically a long strip of leds sort of very small rectangles it's all pre-soldered together you can cut it off at certain lengths and it's got little contact points at either end so you can sort of solder a positive and a negative wire to a strip or get into a battery or to the mains and it will light up the whole length depending on how long it is so i think you know a good example of working on a, a voyager and a big enterprise at the moment but there's lots of led strip in that so that's the sort of the main window lights if you imagine <laughs> or the yeah. um the warp nacelles and you can get it in different colors you know either white or blue or you can get some that change color with a little remote control mm. but it's, it's it's the same sort of stuff and then partly because i'm lazy and partly because it's very hard i get pre-soldered leds which has got a little tiny resistor you have to learn a lot about electronics to get it work to work because mm-hmm. if you put too much mm. voltage through a small bulb it will pop and you yeah. don't want it to pop when it's glued inside a model you've been working no, on because oh, yeah. <laughs> you can't change it no <laughs> absolutely not that's what i was going to say if it's in yeah. there right that's it's in there. It, once it's in it's in and yeah if something goes out and that's it's it's great that we're able to use LEDs now, right? Because mm. they have obviously last longer. They do last yeah. longer. <clears throat> yeah, they do. They're not inexpensive, but they're not very expensive. You know, one roll will cost no more than £10 for okay. you know, two or three oh. metres on eBay and stuff. So it's not too bad. But then you sort of get into the fine details. You have the, you know, the red and green navigation lights. And then there's a few places that have um, very tiny sort of blinking white lights, sort of like a strobe. Um, mm-hmm. And those right. are made out of fiber optic, which I've sort of learned an awful lot about. Oh, <laughs> last, oh, okay. Which is, is amazing stuff. But basically what it is, it's a very, very thin glass tube, like a sorry, glass cylinder. So it, but it bends to a degree. You can't, if you're trying to sort of bend it 90 degrees in your fingers, it would just snap. But if you can bet, you can sort of encourage it to go around corners, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> and then if you cut one end off, so it's a nice square line. And then you imagine to sort of make a bit of a, a jury rig LED on a battery and put the LED flush against the, fiber optic it then transmits light all the way down the length of that fiber optic and then it will shine out the end mm-hmm. so it'd be like imagine like a little tiny pinprick of light and yeah. then if you know once it's all organized in the right way and all sort of wrapped up and glued in place and everything and plugged into a circuit board you can get it to blink ding, ding, ding. Wow. so it's all the same sort of stuff but yeah. if you get it wrong <laughs> <laughs> it's a big problem sort yeah. of thing. but um it's challenging it is hard but it's sort of it 
like you say, it is, it's very good when it's done. Yeah, it must <laughs> be super say. satisfying. Yeah, and it's very satisfying. And it's a labor of love. <laughs> exactly. It absolutely is a labor of love. And something you mentioned, which was really interesting to me, was the scale aspect and mm. understanding, <clears throat> okay, you know, there's maths involved, right? To make sure that everything, if this was blown up, was going to be at actual scale. You mentioned 350. And I know that you're working on a giant sovereign class right now. Yes. That scale, remind me of the scale is? Um, it's 1 to 650. So it is a, yeah, you don't get many in six fifty no. scale, but yeah, that's she's a I'd call her the mega prize. Um, <laughs> she she's a big one. Um, there is a photo in my feed somewhere you can sort of see the the, the saucer is probably I'm trying to guesstimate in my head. It's coming on for two foot long. Wow, that's just the saucer. Wow. That's incredible. It's a it's a fantastic model. I mean, this is um, sort of the the much rarer and it is more expensive because type of kit but it's what they call garage kits so this is made by a guy made by a person okay not a not a company he took lots of sort of reference photos and this is something that I just i can't understand how people can like, like bill i don't know how bill makes his own kits from scratch mm. you know, so not his models because they're not based on kits but basically sort of you know you create molds out of you know, silicone and resin in practice and you know, repeat and repeat and repeat and then this particular model is made out of fiberglass wow, okay <laughs> and wow. resin and fiberglass as everyone knows is something you do not want to touch very right. much yeah. <laughs> the yeah. skin. so you get the pieces and it's it's no one's fault it's just a part of the process the saucer halves in particular don't have completely flush smooth edges the, the, the top oh. is nice and looks pretty um but it's very sharp sticky outy bits so you have to use a rotary tool to sand off so i've mm. spent you know a good probably i'm guessing over the course of a month probably best part of 24 hours in the garage with hats goggles breathing mask old clothes i have to wash my sort of my garden trousers twice because they're covered in this dust just <laughs> oh no um just to get these two pieces to line up but yeah it is massive and uh yeah it's coming along um it is good it's a, it's a, it's a funny thing scale it's sort of while waiting for that to happen i started working on the voyager okay. which is um one to six seventy scale so it's it's not quite the same but it's not right. far off yeah, <laughs> yeah. <no. laughs> I think we're going to get a bit further along. I'll put, try and put this side by side. You can see how big the Voyager is pretty much next to the, the, the Enterprise-E. Sure. But yeah, scale is important. I think a lot, of, you know, a lot of people get very passionate about, you know, it's not in the right scale. But, you, you, you know, there's a sort of saying about sort of the hero kits. They are generally in the same type of scale. You get that 1400 and then another very popular, well, there's two popular ones. There's 1000 scale and then 2500 scale. And it's all, I mean, it basically, it just means you, how big a shelf you need to have to put them on, in essence. That's, that's what it comes down to. That's amazing. And I know how much detail is going to be going into that ship, especially since it's much larger, right? So those right. Aztec paneling and everything around that. It's the painting that sort of, it's, you know, it's much bigger, obviously, than, but it, it's the same principles. It is, you know, it, ultimately, it, it takes more time, or it will take more time to put all the it's vinyl down paint mm-hmm. it take it off it is more involved um but it's the same process you know it's not not to be put off by anything it's, it's sort of it's just an amplified version of something that you could do as a first kit basically that is so interesting <laughs> where is this enterprise e sovereign class going to live when it's when she's done she is going to end up in germany okay wow um and yeah i wouldn't say names but um we've, we've got a, a, a grand visit because a lot of the problems I've had for some of these kids is, Brandon, you're not a million miles away from me. How would I, how mm-hmm. would I get a model to you? Right. So you 
You could have put it in a post. <laughs> yeah, or on a barge, right? Get it, especially if it's that large. Exactly. Um, and you know, it'd be the same problem if I posted it to my neighbor. You know, mm-hmm. it's exactly, so um, we both agreed, let's not put this in the post. <laughs> so we're going to yeah. have, have a bit of a road trip involving oh, Channel nice. Tunnel. Oh. So we'll meet up and, you know, nice a bit of a, a face to a name or, or, you know, chat messages and stuff so yeah so that's going to be, be good to do that because some of these things that yeah that you know it's an expensive model to buy in the first place and you don't want to right. um, risk a postman who's had a bad day or fedex <laughs> fan breaking down and thrown around you know it's just not worth it no not when <laughs> you're not when you're putting all that into that and it sounds oh, like yeah. it's a commission piece then and you know speaking of commissions you know if someone wanted to get a model made i know you make your own models for yourself but mm-hmm. you probably also can um you know if someone's interested in having their own ship you know created a canon ship um in something that's currently available with their own ship name how does someone go about that uh, probably the best way is um just drop me a message on instagram you know trying to reply to all the comments i get um on various posts but yeah if you you know if you've just got something in mind or just want to throw some ideas around have a chat i just said to send me a dm a direct message and we can go from there cool and that's jj model making that's jj model making that's it perfect well james we know you've got a lot of ship building to get back to but before you go you listen to our show so you know what's coming we've got five rapid fire questions for you and we'd like to know the very first answer that comes to mind does that sound all right go for it all right all right let's go what is your favorite ship james my favorite ship would be the enterprise d all right and your favorite series Next generation. And your favorite captain? Picard. It's a bit of a trend here, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Now, if you were headed into Starfleet Academy and had to pick one of the three career tracks, command, science, or engineering, which would you go with? Engineering. And finally, if you were stranded on an island with no chance of rescue and only had the materials to create one final ship model, which class of ship would you go with? <laughs> I think the ambassador class. Okay. All right. I think it's, it doesn't get much love. I quite like it. It looks nice. Now, would that be the one that we saw on screen or would it be Probert's original design of the ambassador? Ooh, I've never built that. I'd like to have a go at it. I think probably the on-screen one, just because I know it better. <laughs> Go with what you know. <laughs> Fair enough. Absolutely. Well, James, thanks again so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. It's been great to hear how your models take shape. And while you get back to that, Alex and I are going to move into this week's All Hands on Deck segment. So for this week's All Hands on Deck Drill, we booked each of you into the holodeck for an hour to participate in a program with a hollow version of a captain of your choice. Not only would they be giving you a personal tour of their ship, but you'd get a better understanding of the class's technology. We asked you which captain and ship you would load up. So what's interesting about this is you couldn't just think about your favorite captain and any other ship. It kind of was tied together, right? So you had to think right. everything that that encompasses. And, you know, if you've only got an hour, you know, you got to really think about, you know, if you're getting a tour of the ship and the technology, you know, which would actually be the most interesting. And it didn't quite surprise me that the number one response was to actually hang out with none other than Captain Catherine Janeway on the USS Voyager. Now, 
I don't blame those respondents. I would also <laughs> love to, you know, hang out on Voyager, even if it's only for an hour, especially with Captain Janeway. Yeah, I mean, you know, Voyager was our last major show before the new Star Trek series. And of course, there was Enterprise, but in that timeline. So we got to see some advanced technology, of course, making its way onto the Intrepid class, like the BioNeuroGel packs. And of course, it had the variable warp geometry nacelles. So some really cool tech. And of course, you know, hanging out with Janeway, not only would you get a nice cup of coffee, but you'd definitely be able to have some great chats with her. For sure. Yeah. Now, in terms of the second most submitted response, it was hanging out with Cisco aboard the Defiant. I think I really like this response because who got to design the Defiant? But Cisco. Yeah. So not only do you get to hang out with the master of design yourself and get that tour and learn about the tech, but of course, Cisco is one of those characters where you're just like, oh, I just want to sit down and pick their brain. And he's so intellectual and so many interesting stories. So you could definitely see that being a good use of an hour in the holodeck. For sure. Spend an hour with my space dad. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> in terms of our other most frequently submitted, we had Riker and the Titan, which probably has resurged itself. You know, not only from the Titan books, but because of what we saw in Lower Decks, and was excited to see the Dax and the Aventine, which makes sense because we knew the Vesta class, the USS Aventine, had a lot of technology on board. Yeah, I'd love to learn more about the tech and all the specs of the Aventine from its own captain, Captain Dax. Yeah, and since holodecks don't exist right now and you're not able to do that, you can actually learn a lot about the tech in our episode that we had with. Mark Rademacher, who designed the USS Aventine or the Vesta class. Check it out. We talk a lot about the tech there, so you can get your own little personal tour of sorts. But if you want to participate in the weekly drills, we post them on Twitter towards the end of each week, and we'd love to hear your thoughts. Well, believe it or not, Brandon, we're already towards the end of another episode. Before we go and give our social plugs and contact information, though, um, I'd like to announce that next week we will be joined by the astronomer Dr. Robert Hurt. So Dr. Robert Hurt is going to be able to talk talk real science with us when it comes to ships themselves. I maybe find out what it would be like if we were actually living on them today, you know, because it looks so seamless when we see it up on screen, but there's a lot of things science-wise that we have to think about, like, you know, artificial gravity and things like that. So, should be a very interesting conversation. I always think that anytime we can talk real science and tie Trek back into that, it always makes for an interesting discussion. Absolutely. And have some gravity to put your feet on the ground, so to speak. Exactly. Exactly, exactly. Well, don't forget, our hailing frequencies are always open. Head to shiptalkingpod.com to transmit a message via our submission form. And while you're there, check out our merch. If we can put our logo on it, we've got it in our store. Uh, your support helps keep us going by going straight to the pod's monthly production costs. Another way to support us is to become a member of our Patreon community. And again, that support allows us to keep making the show, pay our licensing fees and our software costs. So we really appreciate it. This is a labor of love that we all do in between our actual jobs or schoolwork. So it's a lot of fun to put out and we couldn't do without your support. So we really do appreciate it. Don't forget we have our email address, hello at shiptalkingpod.com. It's a great way to share feedback and your answers to our community cues. Uh, we try to reply to every email that we get, so feel free to send one in. 
please do. You can also give us a shout on Twitter. We're at ShipTalkingPod. James, our community manager, does a great job providing ship facts, engagement, dialogue with the community, and lots of other fun things. So James, thanks for all you do there. It's a lot of fun. And if you're part of Twitter, do give us a follow. And the best way to support us is to tell your ship enthusiast friends about the show. They can find us by searching Ship Talking Pod wherever they get their podcasts, or just send them to our website for a direct link. And in addition to James, George Davies, a huge thank you to you, our audio engineer who does all the behind-the-scenes magic with our production in order to get our episodes out each week and uh, it's sounding as crisp and clear. And in case, you know, you haven't noticed, at the end of each episode, there's always a little surprise. And that's all thanks to George. So make sure you, you know, stick around after that warp swoosh uh, but george thanks for all you do we really appreciate it yeah thank you so much james and george and we'd also like to extend our thanks to our listeners community and wonderful supporters on patreon we wouldn't be able to do this without you we really would not alex cheers to your second episode and thanks to everyone everyone stay safe and well and we will catch you next week cheers true So, James Jacob and Bill Krauss were both uh, excellent students in school, very academically talented. Uh, their teachers used to call them model students. <laughs> Set phasers to simply stunning comedy, am I right, folks? <laughs> <laughs>